Thank you, team, so much. Well, get ready for the Peter Pointer to get out, because Julie Gosen is preaching. She's bringing the word and bringing her Peter Pointer. Come on up, Julie. I'm so excited. Hey, everyone. How's your Monday? Wow, that was really like a really lackluster response there, guys. Like, good. Everyone's tired from Missions Fest. Is that what's happening? We're awake. We're awake. Two people are looking at me. That's great. This is awesome. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate this. I'm glad that I'm known as Peter Pointer. Is that a thing? I do do that. I, yeah, I do, do, I do that. I'm sorry. I said do-do, thanks, Gavin. Love the support. <laughs> Great. So before I jump into anything, I just want to jump right into the Word. I want to ask everyone to open their Bible or their phone or whatever you read your Bible on these days. And we are going to open to 1 John 2, verses 1 through 6. I'm waiting. It's better to read it when I'm speaking it too. It just sticks a little bit better, you know? Thanks. So everyone there? Say, I'm here. Okay, thanks guys. So this section is called Christ Our Advocate. Woo, that's good. And it says, my little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin... We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now by this we may be sure that we know him, if we obey his commandments. Whoever says, I have come to know him, but does not obey his commandments, is a liar, and in such a person the truth does not exist. But whoever obeys his word, truly in this person, the love of God has reached perfection. By this, we may be sure that we are in him. Whoever says, I abide in him, ought to walk just as he walked. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for this Monday. I thank you that it's not raining and that we're here and we're excited to learn about what you're saying in 1 John. And I pray that this message and that these words and that the text will just jump out to us as it needs to and it would stick in our hearts and really mean something to us. So I pray you be with every person in this room. I pray that your words will speak loudly and that we would just use this as a message to push on and continue on through our day with grace knowing that you loved us first. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to tell you guys a story. In high school, I went through Christian high school from grades 1 through 8, and it was great, but I didn't do any sports or anything because, quite frankly, I was just not, like, great at them. I tried, but I have asthma, and that just doesn't, like, equal being really good at sports if you can't breathe while you're running for most of them. But anyways, I got to high school, and it was this whole new world where there's so many sports and all these arts and all these things you could do, and I was so excited to be involved, and I was like, Mom and Dad, I want to do rugby. And they said, Julie, no, you're five feet tall. And then I was like, okay, well, I want to do wrestling. And they're like, no, Julie, like, you can't do wrestling. And I was like, I want to do soccer. And they said, yes, but I was very bad and didn't make the team. Um, (laughs) And then I had some great friends who said, Julie, 
being short is bad in some of these other things, but what about being a cheerleader? And I was like, guys, that's the best idea ever. I can be a cheerleader. I've got long hair. It can go in pigtails. Like, I did dance for a long time and was not very good at it. But, yeah, I did gymnastics for a short time. Also not great at it. But, like, they were there. Those were the qualifications, and I met them. And so I went to my teacher, all excited, and I was like, hey, I'm going to I wanna be a cheerleader. I want to do this. It's going to be great. You can throw me up in the air. It's going to be awesome. So we got all excited, and we talked about it. I gave her my email. I gave her my phone number. I joined the team. You didn't have to try out, now that I think about it. So that's kind of concerning. But anyways... <laughs> And then she gave me the best and worst news ever. She said, we practice three times a week. And I was like, yeah, awesome, three times a week at 6 a.m. And I didn't become a cheerleader. (laughs) Thanks, guys. So... If you're taking notes, the title of this message is called Crazy Cheerleader. (laughs) I really appreciate the laughter. Thanks, guys. (laughs) So my first point here is coming right out of verses 1 and 2, if you want to take a peek there. It says that we have an advocate. And I just kind of stopped when I was reading this because what does that even mean? Like, even a couple weeks ago, Gavin asked us to pray for words like descriptors of God's character that we didn't, we weren't sure that we understood and we wanted to be true in our lives. An advocate was actually the one that I had because advocate in the Bible, the wording they're using here is so, so, so deep. It's more than being a cheerleader. It's super honoring. It's being a counselor. It's testifying on behalf of, it's loving. It's this deep, deep, deep thing. And John here is trying to point us to the fact that Christ is already our advocate. He has already gone and he has died for us. He has already seen the good in us and fought for it and advocated for us and testified on behalf of us, even though it doesn't seem like it's worth it. To me anyways, I said, why advocate for me? What's the point? But Jesus saw a point. And I just just think that's so amazing. The righteousness of Christ stands on our side every day. Like, do we understand that? Stands on our side, fighting for us, advocating for us. Like, that's amazing! It's very, very cool, guys. We need to know. Some, someone said to me, I was doubting, like, being at Summit, and they're like, you're going to be a pastor. And I was like, that's crazy. And then here I am, you know. But they said, Julie... Just know, God saw you from the moment you were born. He saw your entire life, every mistake, every error, error, everything that could go wrong, all the way to the day you die. And he said, I want her to be a pastor. I want her to be a counselor. I want him to be a pastor and a counselor and a father and a mother and a leader and a friend. He looked at your whole life and he said, you're worth dying for. I believe for better in you. But then the next verse, when we hop into it, it's like, whoa, because it doesn't really match up. So my second point here is, we are liars. Love that. Don't you just love hopping into that one? (laughs) Thanks. Verse four says, 
If I know him and do not live by his commandments, then I'm a liar. I'm a liar. I, Julie Gosen, am a liar. Isn't that crazy? Think about that. You're all liars. We are. Like, it's funny, but it's also like, oh, crap, like... This is some serious stuff. Just imagine loving a chronic liar. Someone who, every time you talk to them, says, yeah, like, we'll get together, really want to hang out with you. And you show up, and you're there for an hour and a half, and they never come. And then they said, oh, like, I'll make it the next time. Sorry, I was just, like, really busy. My life was really full that day. And then they don't come the next time either. And then in in addition to that, you hear they're talking about you and blaming things on you that you never did. What about the person who makes excuses? And it's somehow never their fault. It's always your fault. You weren't there for them enough. But isn't that what we do every day? God wants to hang out with us and he sits ready to meet with us and we don't show up. Right? We know his commandments to love God, love one another, and we don't do it. And we go to Bible college and we say, I love God. He changed my life. And we don't look like it. What does it look like to love a chronic liar? Because that's us. It's everyone in this room. And we just talked about how God's advocating for us. Like, what? Why? What's the point? Imagine advocating for someone who never shows up and never takes your advice and makes excuses all the time. And you're like, I think you're great. You wouldn't think that. You'd be so mad. Mel would tell you to put boundaries in your life with this person. (laughs) It's true. You wouldn't be friends with them. I thought that one was good too. Thanks, guys. (laughs) But it's a humbling thought, isn't it? I want to tell you a story about my dearest, loveliest, youngest, only sister. No, wait. Only youngest sister. There you go. I do have two. They're great. But anyways, my little sister, life was fine. She came into the picture, and she was this fat, little, cute, awesome, like, really chubby cheeks, like, great teeth, like, all the perfectly lined, like, baby teeth, you know, they're just so little squares, and they all go together. (laughs) Big blue eyes, curly blonde hair, this just, like, chubby, happy, fat, awesome baby is my sister, and I was like, she's great. And then she got to, like, age three. She was, like, a full-blown three-nager, if you know that term, like, Diva, love performing. Like, we'd go to the pool, and at three years old, she'd stand on the edge and say, Hey, everyone! And get everyone's attention in the hot tub. All these strangers. And be like, watch this. And then we'd just do a dance. And, like, everyone would watch her and be mesmerized. (laughs) I know. If you know her today, it's still, like, kind of (laughs) true. But... Right from the get-go, my sister was great at performing. Love drama. Went on to do seven years of improv. She's the most hilarious person I know to date. Anyways, but she learned how to lie really well. And she was this fat, happy, super cute baby that everyone believed. And no one believed me. 
<laughs> and she, she would tell my parents all these stories and make up these lies. And she would craft these stories of somehow I'm like the worst child ever. Like middle child, neglected, terrible. Don't believe anything she says. And so very quickly, she would start blaming me for things or just crafting stories like out of the blue of all these things I did because I'm a terrible child somehow. And my parents believed everything. Everything, everything. I couldn't do anything. I had so many timeouts, guys. I really didn't like it. It was brutal. But this lying, guys, I really started to not like my sister. She lied all the time. Do you know how hard it is to like someone who lies and, like, makes up all these stories about you and, like, looks at you with these eyes as she's telling my parents these stories that she knows is not true? And then I have to go on a timeout again. I hated those stairs. <laughs> but it created like this really big wedge between Katie and I. And it grew over the years, over the years to like, I would say like intense hatred. Like, guys, I kid you not. I said, like, I don't, I can't even say the words that I said about Katie because I hated her. We hated each other. We would scream. We would, she bit me until I bled one time. Like, it was, I was also terrible, just so you guys know. Like, I, I, I egged her on a lot. But it just became this huge wedge. And, like, my parents were really concerned because we just hated each other's guts with everything in us. If someone was like, hey, your sister Julie's so great. And she would just literally be like, you don't know her like I do. And that's just, like, how much we hated each other. And I remember my mom said, Julie, please, you're the older sister, pray for your relationship with Katie. And I was like, that's stupid. I'm not doing that. I don't like her. I don't want to like her. She's terrible. But I remember sitting in Thailand. I went to Thailand for a bit. Um, And I was writing notes to all my family. And I was like, ah, I guess I got to write Katie one too. I can't give one to everyone in my family and not her. And I remember sitting there, and I was about to write her letter, and I'd done all the other ones. And I remember sitting, and I couldn't think of a single nice thing to put down on the page, even faking it. Like, couldn't think of one thing. Then I prayed an angry prayer. I was like, hey, God, give me something to put on this paper for Katie, you know? (laughs) And he did. He just said, hey, Julie, remember, like, when her one friend said this about her? Don't you think she's pretty good at that? Hey, remember one time she did this? And that was really nice of her, wasn't it? And I began to write this letter. Didn't believe any of it, but I wrote it. And then I remember coming home, and Katie came to me, and she said, Julie, like, thank you for, those, for that letter. I didn't know that you loved me at all. That's the year before I came to Bible college, guys. Like, thank the Lord he's in the business of transformation because I needed it. (laughs) And after, like, there was a ton of work that went into it after this. And she would come out of her room. And, guys, this was the habit I had. She would come out of her room. And I would literally think of the thing that I could criticize and tell her I hated about her outfit. That's what I did every single day. And one day she walked out of her room after the letter, after I came home and I was changed in a new person from my missions trip. Um, (laughs) She came out and I was like, oh, Katie, like, that skirt's great. Oh, the pointer, you're right. There it is. (laughs) And she just said, Julie, I don't need this today. And I was like, no, I think your skirt's great. 
And she, I just remember, I just remember her face. She stopped and she looked at me and she said, do you mean that? And I realized over this entire time that in the lying and everything like that, I had just chosen, chosen, chosen to not see the good in my sister this whole time. I chose to only see the bad. But you want to know the beautiful thing that happened? I, with the help of, with all of God, because I didn't really actually do anything, I extended love to that chronic liar right where she was and chose to see the good in her and chose to believe that there was better for her. And that love radically changed our relationship. Guys, I, like, Katie, my sister, is seriously, like, my best friend in the whole entire world. I call her four times a week. I don't know what I would do without her. Like, she is the most amazing person ever. And it was me who chose to just pull my love back and not see her for who she was and who God saw her was. Who God saw she was. There we go. Love, when it's extended to us right where we are, changes things. And God does that for us every single day. He says, you're a chronic liar. I know that. I see so much more in you. I call you my child. I love you. I gave you gifts. And I want you to use them. So I'm going to go on to my third point. Um, In verse 5, it talks about love bringing perfection into our lives. And I want to just stop there for a moment and say, judgment doesn't bring change. But love does. It really does. And so I think that we can challenge ourselves to really love people where they're at. Even if they've hurt us. Even if they've lied to us for eight years and made us sit on the stairs a ton. We can extend that love. And I also want to say that hard work sure brings change. It does. And obeying God's commandments is sometimes hard work. Loving someone who makes you so mad all the time is hard work. It is. It really is. Um, But the kind of language they're using in this passage here is when it says keep and obey God's commandments. The, like, imagery that comes with it is to literally, like, guard and watch and keep precious and it's just like this precious thing to like hold on to desperately it's not like oh yeah keep his commandments when it's convenient for you it's this precious thing and i think we view god's commandments sometimes as like this burdensome thing like oh i gotta love that person Ugh, i don't wanna i shouldn't envy over what other people have shouldn't kill i think we're like on track with that one um <laughs> But we view them as, like, this burden. Does anyone else, or is that just me? Like, it feels like it's a lot sometimes to love people. And love doesn't always mean going to someone's room at 3 a.m. It might mean advocating for them behind closed doors, even though they've made you mad. Right? And so, I want to talk, Mark, has anyone heard that when Mark talk, Mark Hawks talks about how we, if we're, we have like a goal, I think he says it's the moon. Is that what you say? Maybe. Sorry. I swear I listen. <laughs> he says, if you have a goal and it's far away, like the end of your life, and you go 1% off course every single day, 
by the time your goal comes, you're so far off track that you'll never, ever reach it. But I want to come on over to the flip side here and talk about what if we got 1% better every day? That seems manageable, right? Obeying God's commandments. Do it 1% better every day. Max Lucado, famous leadership title, author, amazing guy, has written like, how, how many books? I don't know, a ton, a ton of them. Oh, good job, guys. Tons. They, some of them say the same things, but in different words. <laughs> but they're good. They're good. They're good books. But Max Lucado says, if you strive to be 1% better every single day, by the end of that year, you will be a 37 times better person than when you started. So let's not be 1% off every day. Let's be 1% closer. Ask yourself every day when you're watching a movie, listening to music with your friends, taking things in and what you're saying, is this glorifying to God? And if you have to question it, it might not be. So ask yourself that question. I want to give some practical application here because I love when people say like, love people and you're like, okay, how? Find your identity in God. Okay, how? Like, so here we go. Kim on Wednesday talked about intercessory prayer. That's a heck of a good way to strive to be 1% better for yourself and for your friends every single day, right? Actively putting time aside for that. Put verses in your room. Put them on the walls. You know that little thing above your toilet that you read every time you sit down of like not putting bad things in the toilet? Put a verse there. (laughs) You'll read it every day. Effortless memorizing. There we go. But once it's in you, it sticks, hey? And it comes out. God's amazing and can do a ton of things. Awesome stuff. Lord of the world, you know, like, mm. but he can only use what's in you too. And if those verses are not in our hearts, what's coming out of our mouths? Because it says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if the scriptures aren't there, what is? Yeah, this is a challenge for me too. I wrote this and I was like, oh, Julie. <laughs> Pray to love others deeper. It doesn't have to be a big thing. But if we believe in prayer, why do we think that it's a beyond God f- to give us the power to love other people deeper? I did that. I've been challenging myself to do that this year, and it was almost too much at one point. I started praying for a week, and I feel like God was like, haha, this is just a taste. But I started praying it for like a week, and by the end of the week, I was like, I want to hug everyone. Everyone's great. I love you all. You're amazing. And then I was like, oh, I need to stop praying this. Like, I can't do that. But God does move powerfully through through prayer. Speak highly of others. My friend challenged me in how I talk to myself, but I think it applies for talking about other people too. When did we ever get the idea that it was our place to criticize God's creation? Yeah. That's about talking about yourself in the mirror too. It's a really good challenge. But God sees all of you as children who are equipped and loved, and he wants to use in this world. So what the heck? Get behind one another. Christ's advocating for us to the point of death. And yet we're criticizing people because they said something we didn't like. You know? And it builds into this really bitter thing and drives people apart. 
I'm living proof of that with my sister. Surround yourself with good people and tell them your goals and allow them to call you out. Don't just allow them to call you out. Go to your friends and say, hey guys, this is, these are my goals. How am I doing on them? Ask for feedback. Allow people to speak into your lives. Don't wait for people to call you out. It's uncomfortable. It's hard. We're supposed to do it. But go to them and say, speak into my life. What can I be working on right now? How can I be 1% better every day? Let people speak into your lives that way. It's amazing. You, we have a ton of blind spots, guys. We really do. But know that we're in this together. Right? Point number four. Our lives matter. We need to advocate for others in the rest of the world. When we're pursuing God's commandments wholeheartedly, the language that's used here is a lasting, lifelong, never-ending, no intermission, continuous, straight, integral, consistent thing. And that's what our lives are supposed to look like. We need our words to be consistent with what we do. We need to be trustworthy and above reproach. 1 Timothy 3 talks about this. Titus 1, 2, and 3 talks about this. It's all over. And I know that God's commandments seem burdensome sometimes, but let's just flip our perspective. Hashtag perspective. Yeah, there we go. And think about what an opportunity that our lives get to speak to what God is doing in the world. We get to be people that other people look to. That's amazing. Like, God gave us that role? Why? Good grief. But that's it. Something my pastor says back home all the time is he says, your life may be the only Bible that some people read. So how are you living it? Right? And what an amazing, amazing opportunity to fight and stand up for our friends and family. To advocate for the person who is struggling with their gender and they're not sure what's going on. Instead of making fun of how many genders there are. Fight for them. Love them. Live in a consistent way. Fight for the marginalized. Fight for your family who doesn't know God yet. Live your life in such a way that you're walking in step with God's spirit, striving for that 1% every day so that your life can look different so that other people can get to know Jesus. That's awesome. I think it's totally amazing. We need to understand that how we live is desperately important. And it's an honor. It's an honor to be in this together. I really want us to advocate for one another too. I want us to come out of the sermon knowing that Christ has already advocated for us. And then he sent his word to help us end this. And then he also sent his Holy Spirit to help us do this. Fight with one another in a good way. Fight for one another. I have this imagery when I was reading through this of people who advocate so much for each other and for what God is doing and is kingdom minded. And so much so that they have, we all have these big shields and almost like, huh, has anyone seen Lord of the Rings? Yeah, ma'am. 
You know how the orcs, the one time they're walking up the pathway and all their shields are so connected above them and below them that they for, like, form this huge wall that no one can get past? Let's be united that way. A wall of people who are living in step with God, in step with one another, advocating for one another, living integral lives, living consistently, that together we become this wall that is moving in step together, fighting for God's kingdom, fighting for what Christ has already done for us. And we become this wall of love that people have to stop and say, whoa, what is that? What's different about them? And we need to be out in the world. It doesn't matter how we live our lives if we're not ever interacting with people who aren't Christians. They can't look at our lives and say what's different if we're never around them. And I know it's hard on the hill sometimes to get out there. But get a gym membership. Go to the gym. Talk to the person at the counter. And let's remember that this story is not about us. It says that Christ died not for only our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. Don't let our uncomfortable, don't let being uncomfortable with inviting someone to church stand in the way of their possible salvation. And don't say people's no for them. When you start inviting people, you know what? They might come. They might want to hang out with you. They might want to go for coffee with you. They might want to know who Jesus is. Remember your first love. What if no one ever told you about Jesus? Where would you be today? Aren't you eternally grateful for the person who helped get you there? So be that for other people. See better in them. Don't see the liar. See them how God sees them and see that there's potentials and there's gifts. And he loves them deeply. And he already advocated for them. And he already fought for them. The world deserves to know Jesus too, hey? It's not just about us. He's rooting for you, so know that and be encouraged. But know it so far in your soul that it equips you and encourages you and motivates you to go out and tell other people about it. If God has called you, which, trick question, he has, he'll equip us in this, to do this together, guys. Let's come to him on our knees every morning, pleading for him to help us with that 1% or maybe even 5% on a good day but plead with him to help us do this we don't need to fear repentance and we don't need to fear the gospel it's still good news it's good news to every age and every generation and in every country and every single person you've interacted with it's still good news to them and we serve an awesome God he's an amazing cheerleader and advocator He doesn't have pom-poms, but he does have salvation for the entire world. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for today. I thank you that you've given us this day, and you've given us your word, and you've given us this awesome community to work together alongside one another, and that you've given us gifts, and that you extended love to where we were. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for advocating for us. And I pray that you would give this room a new boldness and a new assurance in the gospel and new motivation to go out and make sure that the world knows it, God, that you're fighting for everyone. I pray you be with us and that we have a phenomenal Monday. In Jesus' name, amen.